This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning, Charlie. And is it going to be a fun show or what? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Yes, You're indeed. along with Charlie. And we have a special guest. Paul Galatley is with us from the Toronto Zoo. Thank you. Good now, morning. I understand. Uh, I didn't, well, I didn't realize how big this news was. You know, mm-hmm. The uh, springing on us, but pretty big. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> it is big. But, but before we, we let Paul tell us yes. his big news, might as well get those numbers out. You oh, do your job. Exactly. Did you bring the bell? And, Oh, I Just thought I had. No, nope, it's okay. Oh we'll my God! Worry about it okay, in a break. Okay, back on my desk. I'll get it in a minute. Uh, All righty. But uh, main thing is, you got to get through to Charlie to ask her a question or make a comment. Either or, one. Or Paul. Paul or might Paul. have some yes. great answers to questions. He's quite a skilled, talented gardener. Been gardening for many, many, many years. I have indeed. And is the curatorial gardener for the Toronto Ooh, Zoo. We'll explain all that exactly. moments from now. Right now, phone numbers are in Toronto. Call four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Keep in mind our little mantra: call early, call often. One question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, uh, please let Ainsley, as our operator today, yes. Elaine Ainsley, know, and she'll let me know, and I'll bring a little bell in here and ring it just before we get to the air. And until the bell makes its arrival, we'll just make <laughs> some noise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, gar- it's all about the garden wings, right? Don't be a stranger. Don't exactly. be afraid to call. We love to hear. We get tips. We get questions. We get calls from all over. You may not realize this, Paul, but this is a huge signal. So people are listening, but then obviously we're broadcast live on the web. So we get calls from all over the place. That's awesome. Not to mention yep. emails from all over the yeah, place. Yeah. Uh, just a couple think what I do is a little bit of updates on what's going on in the, the Hort world. And of course, now it's September. The Hort Societies are back in action. So the Agent Court Garden Club having its WOW annual flower, vegetable, and design competition September the 8th. And, of course, that would be today. Open from 2 until 4 o'clock. Open to the public. No cost. Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue in Shepherd in Agent Court. It's uh, it's quite quite. Awesome. Pretty. All the, the members have brought in, and this is the competitive part of horticulture, which is always the fun part. What people will do for a red ribbon. Um, on September 12th, so later this week, Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is hosting a free general meeting. That's Wednesday evening, uh, 7 p.m., Scarborough Village Recreation Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Our good friend Dougald Cameron is speaking, and his subject is planting your spectacular 
spring garden now. Again, guests are welcome. Refreshments are included, and you just can't go wrong. You'll meet lots of fun people if you want to get out to a hurt society. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a lot to uh, talk with Paul about. Yes, so we do. What do you say we take our first little break here, then come back, we can uh, reintroduce Paul, yeah. and boy, he's got some big news, really. I know. Really. I know. Yeah. And we couldn't do this show without our sponsors, so we need a- to give them a exactly chance. Exactly. <laughs> my darling. All right. Away we go, uh, and we'll be back momentarily here as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie... I did bring the bell. Excellent. <laughs> We're right. in business. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's our magical bell, which first-time callers get only when they call the first time. So listen, oh, you know, I can't keep everybody just waiting in anticipation. So, Paul, please, curatorial gardener from the Metro Zoo, Paul Galatly, here, special guest, share with us your special announcement. So we've got a big announcement. Yes, uh, the really Toronto big. Zoo is looking for one of the largest, actually. <laughs> uh, the Toronto Zoo is looking forward this week to the corpse flower, a Morphophallus titanum, opening up for the first time in the GTA. So let's go back. Corpse flower. Let's. That's the common name. Yep. Amorphophallus titanum being the proper name. That is the proper Latin name. Okay, so I teach horticulture at Durham College, and I'm going to be using this as a good example for my students this week of nomenclature and how naming works. So most Latin names are very descriptive of the plant. So amorpho meaning... Yep, misshapen. Misshapen or not not Mm -hmm. regular. Phallus meaning penis. penis. So we've got misshapen penis. Titanum, meaning... It's giant. Big. Giant. The Titanic yeah. was named mm-hmm. the Titanic for a reason. It was big. Right. So we've got a really big, twisted penis ready to flower, ready to flower for at the, first the time. zoo. At the zoo. But and and your, uh, the olfactory uh, value well, here... that's it. Where does the corpse mm-hmm. flower come in? Yeah, the corpse flower comes in with the smell. Yeah. Uh, it is one of the strongest smelling plants in the world. Uh, it only flowers every, you know... 10 to 20 years. So it's got to stink really bad when it first opens up to attract the pollinators. And it only flowers for like 24 to 36 hours. Oh, really? Yeah, it only flowers for a day or two. Wow. uh, And then it's done. Speaking of, there it is. Our lights just went on and off as part of a good boy flower. But but you're expecting it to be in full in olfactory full flower this disgustingness week. this yes, week. Absolutely, it'll be this week. Uh, it is still growing a little bit, and it'll slow right down before it uh, before it starts to flower. So we've got a two day warning. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we get that stopping of the growth. We'll be letting everybody know on the Toronto Zoo website. So, okay, so how often are you measuring this flower? We are measuring it every day, twice a day in some say, cases. A couple, yeah, times. A couple <laughs> times a day. I, I'm a little anxious about yeah. it, so, so we're definitely taking care. It's about care. three feet tall now, as I understand. It's about it, three right? feet tall now, yeah. yeah. And yeah. did you visit it this morning before you came in? I did not, but oh, okay. I did get some photos, and I did get a, an update before okay. I came in. Okay, good, from other people from, who from are there. From other people that are there, yes. So did you found that it, so it was about three feet, and it's grown not the full two inches you've been seeing the last few it days. It has. The, uh, leading right up until yesterday, it was mm. doing two to three inches a day. Um, last mm. night, it was down to only about three quarters of an inch. Okay. So it's definitely slowing down, Which, and uh, this. The spadix is starting to color up, so oh, those okay. are all good signs that uh, we're getting wow. close. So it's really worth Googling. Anybody who doesn't know what this plant looks like and has access to a computer, just the simple word corpse flower will give you an idea of what a crazy-looking plant this is. Absolutely. Okay, so this is a little on the sort of nerdy horticultural side. It, the, it's understood that this is an insect or probably beetle-pollinated plant. That is correct, yep. And it's nocturnal beetles because it all the smelliest is at night. That's Ooh. correct. Yeah. yeah, and it's, again, short-term. <clears throat> so 
Do you bring in pollinators for something like that? Do you try and get seeds? We actually have pollen available to us from another one right. that flowered in Edmonton. Oh. Um, but we've decided we're not going to pollinate ours. Um, this one is really small. It's right. about four to five years ahead of schedule. Right. So the bulb was only 24 pounds when it started. Oh. So with the giant flower, three and a half foot flower that grew out of it, there's not a lot of energy left in that corn. Right. So if we did pollinate it, we would probably end up killing the flower. We would get a couple of seeds, but it wouldn't end up moving forward. And we want to see it grow bigger and, and get to be a five-foot flower next the, time. The corn. Yeah. That's and, right. and the other thing is maybe those seeds are not, it's maybe not genetics you necessarily want to keep. I guess you don't really know. But a based lot on of them it. are actually connected genetically because they mm. all came from the same couple of seeds from Kew, you know, in the early 1900s. And they've sort of dispersed around the world. And, of course, this plant is native to one very small part of the world. Very small part of the world. It's from Sumatra yep. in Indonesia. Right. And it's it is... indigenous only to that area? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what it is, it's an understory, like in the forest plant. Mm-hmm. And because it's got this very short flowering opportunity, which is obviously we flower to produce seeds, and we produce seeds to maintain our genetics, right? Yeah. That's our thinking about, you know, being, Absolutely. you know, anthropomorphic when it comes to plants. So so that's the, the theory on why it is... Not number one so big but so stinky is it's got such a short opportunity for the pollination to occur so that that's the you know sort of the historians and the yeah absolutely um, and the flower actually people. heats up so the flower yeah. actually heats up to human body temperature really it and really it, does the chemistry it, in the flower yeah it actually uses carbohydrates <laughs> in the flower and heats up so it gets a little furnace and it, going and then it sends out waves oh wow of the smell and it smells like ro- a rotting uh, mammal, basically. Yeah, it's, it's rotting flesh. Yeah. Oi. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go. I, I'm, I'm looking forward I'm to it. I'm going to go. Like, we okay. figure Tuesday night. Well, we're this not, is so we're rare. We're not 100% sure, so we don't want to say Tuesday no, night yet. Just no. check the Toronto website, but we're going we're gonna to let everybody know within that two-day period. And you it will should be this week. have some extended hours. Absolutely. So what we're are gonna, your normal hours at this I week? believe we're open at this time until 6 or 7. So 9 um, in the morning you, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, from 9. So we're going to actually stay open later. We're going to open until 11 p.m. Mm. Um, last admission will be at 8.30. Wow. We're setting up for lines, so come prepared. Oh, to, yeah. Uh, you look at some of the YouTube videos. There's like, 20, what, 25,000 people swung uh, yeah, through yeah. the last Absolutely. one. I and mean, it's only a day or so, so you've yeah. got to get people through pretty quickly. It's and a big deal. That's it, amazing. It is a huge okay. horticultural marvel, that's it, for sure. It's very unusual. Like, like Paul said, it's every 10 years max that these things flower. And, some, and that's not reliably. No. Some will take 20 years. Some will take 30 years before they come back. There's really no... We don't know a lot about them. There aren't that yeah. many of them out there. So. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we have to take a little bit of a break here. And then maybe and then, we should go to a caller. And then figure? we'll go to a caller. Because right probably Siva's getting yeah. tired of waiting well, for us. Well, maybe we'll take, her, take Siva's call right now. How about that? Yeah, let's. And then we'll take a little bit of a break. Okay. Um, which is, will get us kind of back on track, okay? Hey, Siva, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Frank, for my sound. It was lovely. Oh, you got it last oh, Monday. Great. Good, yes. yes. Song request on train. the garden show. <laughs> okay, one quick question on raspberry canes. Mm-hmm. My, I had some that didn't bear fruit, right. but they're very tall. Should I cut them down now for next year, or should I leave them? Um, are they ever bearing raspberries, or are they this just first-time spring-blooming bearing? Do you know? Well, normally they do bear, but these canes that are tall mm-hmm. haven't borne any flower any fruit so yeah normally the ones we cut down are the ones that have born yeah right but yeah. if it hasn't born but if they're really tall how tall like because they're going to go down flip it looks like nearly five feet the ones that are up you know yeah if you can leave them leave them but it's they, they're going to impact causing your raspberry um bush to get too big then you okay. may have to cut them back but you, obviously they will bear next year that's the theory on the fresh gains 
Okay, right. thank you. I just want to make a quick comment about that flower. It's so beautiful, but you know, if it wasn't stinky, everybody would be picking the poor guy, so he wouldn't be able to produce seeds. That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah. Okay. If you you are. Keep in mind, picking it is hard because this is a massive plant. When it's at its full, you know, glory. Yeah. What I, six, seven, it can be six, seven, eight feet tall, tall flower. and yeah. wide. And I've wide. seen pictures of it, and I yeah. always wish I had one. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. There, there thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Siva. Alrighty. Siva wants to be your assistant, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be back with our special guest, Paul Galatly. And uh, as you fire the questions at, uh, well, Charlie, and of course, uh, Paul's always welcome to chime right in. Back with more callers in just moments here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. All righty. Exclusively from... on Zoomer Radio. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I stepped right in his throat. Yeah. Uh, from the Toronto <laughs> Zoo, Paul Galatly, and from our own AM740 files of uh, wonderfulness. <laughs> yes, it's Charlie Dobbin. Thank and you, Rosa Franklin. is on the line, Charlie, from Milton. Hi, Rosa. Hi, Rosa. <laughs> good, good morning. Good Love morning your name. to all three of you. <laughs> okay. What's now, going? shall I get down to the brass tacks? Yes, yes, please. Yes. Okay, then. This is pertaining to rhubarb. Now, a friend of mine, this is the first time I've had it, right? So then the stalks are long, very long, and very, very big leaves, right? Mm-hmm. So she said she would like one. So do I say that one rhubarb is one stalk, and then I take a shovel and then a, I dig under and then break it, or what? I have no idea. All right, so did you plant this recently, it sounds like? Um, it, my friend gave it to me back there in about May when it yeah, started, recently. when the ground started this to year. be not frozen. All right, so here's the deal. It, no, don't be sharing that with anybody just yet. Let that plant get oh. bigger and uh, juicier and fatter. And what you're looking at right now, one stalk with a leaf attached to it is just that, a leaf. In order to oh, share... No, no, there's many stalks. There's about I, five of them. I understand. Five it, or six. Each of those stalks are merely a stalk. None of them are plants. The stalks are growing from the crown of the plant, which is the center from where they're growing from. At some point, you'll have more crowns. You will see in the spring, and it'll take, give it, it's going to be another two or three years. If your friend really wants rhubarb, tell her to head off to her local garden center, not expensive to purchase in the spring, so next spring, or wait. Just, uh, to just give her a leaf, it will not grow. It, you can eat that, that stalk, compost the leaf, and, and don't try and grow from it. It will not grow. Okay. Okay. All right. So I already cut it one time, but then the stalks came more again. So yes, well, that's good. Are those to be? Is that what it does? Yeah, most people grow rhubarb and harvest it in the mid to late spring for the stalks for baking, for making yummy rhubarb rhubarb pie. pies, oh, pies and crisps, and, crisps mm-hmm. and and whatever yummy sauces and things you can come up with. And then we leave them alone for the summer, allowing them to fatten up and you know just become a bigger, heartier, healthier plant. So you'll have more stalks next spring. 
Okay, okay. Rosa. Okay, thank no, you very they're much, not super edible at this time. You're welcome thank very you. much. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. And as Rosa leaves the line, that leaves uh, actually a couple of lines open in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And out to Vaughan we go. There's Donata. Good morning, Donata. Hello, Donata. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good. Nice, fresh morning. Yeah, nice, perfect yeah. day to I get had to my wear garden. A jacket into work was yeah. so darn cold. I'm calling because I have a really big tree of magnolia, uh-huh. and I need to trim. It's 30 years old, and probably and never I'm been wondering trimmed. Wondering when that's the best time to do it. Uh, okay, so first of all, you're going to get yourself a certified arborist to do the trimming, not yeah. Joe with the chainsaw. You will be much happier, and so will the magnolia if it's pruned properly. Actually, one of the best times to prune magnolias is about a month from now. How, like, not now because it's a little too too After warm. The leaves out. Yeah, in October you can prune, or next spring. Most people would prune after the flowers. That's because you want oh, to maximize okay. and enjoy the flowers. But if it's been thirty years, I would, I would get it trimmed whenever you can get a, a skilled person to do it for you based on their schedule. Yeah, because if it's rain, the, the rain won't go on the grass. It doesn't look right. Yeah, it's probably just so many leaves. And a magnolia is a beautiful tree, right? Absolutely. Uh, Paul's One nodding. Of my favorites. Yeah, and but it's all and about so the sculpture I, of the plant. How much I have to trim off? Well, it's hard to say, but it it you never usually remove more than thirty percent of a plant at any one time. And okay. if it's been yeah. thirty years, it's going to be a multi process to get okay. that plant to the proper shape. So you might have to spend a little bit of money more than once just to get it to looking good and being healthy and happy. And then every five years, bring back the arborist to touch it all up. And okay. yeah, magnolia can last for a hundred years if it's looked after properly. Okay, thank you very, very much. And I love your show. I'm learning a lot every weekend. Excellent. Thank you, Donata. Thank you. Okay. We should Have get that on tape. <laughs> for now, start the soon anyway. Yeah. Okay, bye. All right, All right, bye-bye. Darling. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. I wonder if Donata was a first-time caller. Gee, I should have asked her. I didn't recognize her voice. Hmm. We've been doing the show for more than 10 years. Did uh, you yeah, know that? amazing. I know. That's I awesome. think I, I recognize everybody's voice now. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, let's see. Has t- uh, Teresa been on the show before? I, I think so. You'll have to ask Yeah, her. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> hey, Teresa and Mrs. Saga, good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show. Hi, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Fran. Good morning. Uh, I have um, an elderberry lemon lace bush. Uh-huh. I've had it for about three years. And for the past month, all of a sudden, um, the, a whole branch uh, is wilted. It's yeah. turning brown, and I'm losing the leaves. I, I knew you were going to say that. I got an email on this exact same subject. Oh. So I'm going to look at Paul. Do you know what's going on with that, Paul? I don't. Uh, I've had a few of that happen around my garden as well, not just with uh, elderberries, with other... I've had Japanese maples lose entire limbs and... Okay, so this goes back to what we were talking about last week, though. Talking about how climate affects woody plants. Uh And recognizing what a tough year last year was. It rained and it rained and it rained. Lots of water in all our trees and shrubs. Mm -hmm. Then we had a very prolonged fall. We had tropical conditions in October. Yes, we did. And the plants went dormant because the days got short enough, 
but there had been no proper frost. The liquids had not left the, the, the right, left yeah. the building. They had not left to go to go down to the ground. Leaves hung on. Mm-hmm. Serious cold came in January, and lots of cracking of bark. So that cracking of bark, of course, opens the plants up for insects to enter and enjoy all the juices and bring diseases with them. So there's been a lot of dieback, a lot of woody plant dieback. And, and it's, this was, um, yeah, I, I bet you it's another one of those. Mind you, elders, elders are very tasty, so it is possible. I'll check this for you, Teresa, but I okay. think it could be a borer that has, has decided to take advantage of the sweetness of your plant. Now, we uh, went to the Sheridan, mm-hmm. and they suggested that we spray it with uh, garden fungicide, which we did actually last night. Okay. Would that help any? Uh, a garden fungicide will control a fungus. Um, he he I, thought it was a fungus of some okay. sort. And you, you, did you take some p- pieces of the plant with you? Uh, oh, yes, we did, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We lost already... Um, uh, Three weeks ago, we cut a long, long branch, with, mm-hmm. you know, and now another branch is going, and we cut that off just so it doesn't spread to the other branches. Okay. Well, you know what? Leave this with me. I'll try to get back to you today, and if not, I'll get back first thing next week. Okay. Just to give you, it, it to me, it could be a wilt disease, which is typically bacterial, not fungal, so a fungicide is just a waste. Uh, or it could be a borer uh-huh. that's boring and causing a branch to die. Uh-huh. Or it could be totally environmental. Yeah. So I, fung- fungus would be sort of fourth on my list of what it might be. Okay. But let me do the research and, and give you I a definitive. I the whole, the whole bush. It's you, about three years old. You're unlikely to. They're very, very, very vigorous plants. So I, I know. I, I just about chainsaw mine to the ground every spring. And they come back in full glory. So they're very hard to kill, actually. But So don't worry. It's probably okay. fine. But do remove anything dead. Yes. Clean pruners. Wash your pruners with alcohol, rubbing alcohol, in between cuts, and don't keep that any material you cut mm. on the property, including the leaves if they drop. Yeah, we do, do, we do rake it up right away. Good, yep. good. Okay. So good garden hygiene is one of the best ways to prevent this spreading. Absolutely. Okay, very right. good. Okay. I thank you very much. Report back. I'm sorry? I will report back. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. And thank you. I love your show. Thank we you. We listen to it every Saturday. Oh, thank that's you. great. Take care. As does a very good friend of mine, Marlene Oliver, uh, oh, a very famous radio yes. uh, name and voice. Yes. And uh, I talked to her yesterday. She's yeah, a fan. Is she? Every, yeah, I said, well, call in. Yeah. No, you'd laugh at me. <laughs> I said, no. We laugh at everybody. Exactly. <laughs> You're not special, Marlene. We we, 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 it's, you know, it's always good fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, I'm anxious to ring my bell here, you know, for the first-time callers, and I don't know whether Dieter in Honey Harbor is a first-time caller or not. Well, let me check. Hey, Dieter, good morning. Good morning, guys. How is it going there, down there in the <laughs> metropolitan of Toronto? In the far south. Now, are you a first-time caller, Dieter? First-time caller. Oh, ding dong. woo, ding-dong. You, you got go. your wings. <laughs> okay, great. I have a question about a little bit... Uh, advanced, it's a poinsettia. When we came back from our winter holidays, we gave the poinsettia before we left to our friends. Mm-hmm. And we, they returned it with about three leaves on it. Mm-hmm. So I put it in the garden and watered it and fertilized it, and it is a beautiful plant now. Yes. How do I go about to get it blooming? Did you put it in the ground or is it still in a pot? In, in the pot. In okay. The pot. So you just buried the pot. 
No, I left the pot outside and oh, put a, a okay. plate under it so it had continuous oh, water. Good stuff. So mm-hmm. you want to make that poinsettia turn red, do you? That's right. All right, we got to count our weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so the way it works is poinsettias need 12 hours of dark and 12 hours of light for okay. a period of 14 weeks before you're going to start to see some good coloration. So whether it be the red or the pink that that plant is going to become. So your challenge is to figure out how to provide 12 hours of dark and 12 hours of light. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes people will put the poinsettia in an unused bedroom in the house. Making yeah, we sure we got a basement like it's handy close to the to the garden. I can put it out in the garden in the morning okay. and I take it in the into the basement. And you set okay. your alarm. It's like eight a.m., eight p.m., or you know something like seven a.m., seven p.m. It's right to the minute. And okay. if you're taking it to the basement, make sure nobody goes down to the basement during the dark period because even one sliver of light and you've just start you have to start the whole process over again. Right? Yeah, yeah, one little tiny nanometer of brightness, and uh-huh. you, you just blew it, and I start back at 14 weeks. But it okay. works. It really works. Just remember, okay. light, full light, continue to water as you have been, yeah. fertilize as you have been, take care of the plant. Just the dark light will make the difference. What about temperatures? Well, once we get uh, anywhere below, well, below 10 degrees Celsius, then don't yeah. be taking it outside anymore. Make sure you keep it inside. It'll be oh, okay. in the brightness of your living room or sunroom down to yeah. the basement. Okay. Okay, great. And I, I and want a report back. Yeah. You call yeah, me what about if I in don't December. Take this, this uh, daylight and darkness. And, and if, can I keep it as a plant? Sure. Beautiful flowers. The, plant, the leaves are on yeah. right now. They're just beautiful. Well, and the, the trick is they will stay mostly green or all green. You might get a little yeah. bit of tinges of color without, any, without the special treatment. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. it's a perfectly nice plant. It, nothing wrong with it. It'll just get bigger and bigger. And, you know, don't forget to pinch the tip to make it bushy, which I think you probably have done. It's, it's so bushy right now, like yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. Like I never thought seen a, a poinsettia like this. Wow. Oh, that's great. It's just beautiful. Fertilizing? Yep, yep. Fertilize every couple of weeks. Keep it happy. Keep it healthy. It's coming into its prime, and if you can give it the light treatment, it'll look amazing. That is you great. Got, you yeah. got my work cut out for me. You do. <laughs> Set your alarm, like I said. <laughs> Thanks, I Dieter. Your help. Thanks, Dieter. Thanks Have for joining us from Honey Harbor. That sounds like a bye perfect bye. spot to bye be. Bye-bye. Take yeah, care, beautiful. my friend. Now, as we wave bye-bye to Dieter, I'm looking at the our monitor here. I can't believe it. Very, very seldom does this ever happen. We have blank lines. Well, because everybody yeah. wants to hear from Paul. Well, that's probably it. So and you can give the phone number. Yes, I'll do that. 416 360 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I just want to tell you a quick story about poinsettias. Yeah. The first time, I mean, obviously, we know our little pots that we have here in, you know, southern Ontario. First time I was in Mexico, a long time ago, I was in a small village in Mexico, and it was right around Christmas. And guess what was in absolutely full bloom was a poinsettia tree. Now, this poinsettia tree was about 30 feet tall and wow. 30 feet wide in full red 
glory. Mm. And that's, that's where they're native to, right? Mm-hmm. They're from um, Mexico originally. And the reason why they didn't have to put a, you know, an umbrella over it to block the light is because in the area in Mexico, close to the equator, they're getting their 12 hours of light and dark naturally. And it's a small village. There is no electricity. There is, you know, mm. the sun comes up. We get to work, sun goes down, we go to bed. So the poinsettia very naturally blooms beautifully with no interference from anybody in those situations. Now, of course, I haven't been back to Mexico in many years, but I'm sure those trees are not blooming because of all the artificial light that's hitting them in the winter. Yeah. Uh, so they're mostly green. Right. But have you ever seen that, Paul? I have. I've actually seen um, hedges of them yeah. in Mexico yeah. where the entire hedge was lit up. With yeah, just bright bracts of color. It's just amazing. all beautiful, bright and red all by itself. Yeah. Nobody yeah, it's putting stunning. it in the basement. It's so that's stunning. our challenge. We have so much electric light. When the sun goes down, we stop the, that coloration. Now for those who are watching live, uh, because we are on camera here, yeah. uh, and every time the microphone opens, that means you can see us behind the microphones. You'll you'll note that Paul Galatly's out, uh, beautiful outfit there mm-hmm. from the Metro Zoo. Uh, he's wearing name tag and all. Yes, and all. And I, I asked. <laughs> him before the show, uh, do all the animals out there sort of recognize you as you're going around? And Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we all wear the same uniform, so the keepers wear this uniform as well. So oh. when the animals see me, they think I'm a keeper. Really? Which is and, and wonderful, because I am a keeper, in all honesty. Uh, um, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's wonderful. I mean, the connection that we, we build with these animals and, and the zoo, the top priority is the care for these animals, yeah. and, and they know it, and we know it, and it just works out really well. So how do you know they recognize you? They just they act a little differently. They'll come yeah. to the front of the enclosure. Oh, thinking right. they may get a treat or food. something like that, or food. They're very food, little food motivated, and we do a lot of enrichment with them as well. So we'll add, you know, cardboard boxes in to play with, and we mm. hide treats through their things. So they know that we sort of bring fun to them. Yeah. So they they tend that's to like. That's good too, isn't it? Great. So how do you look after plants that are in the enclosures? There, there's a lot of processes. Yeah. Uh, we work very closely with the keepers, mm. and a lot of the times we'll, we'll take the animals off exhibit, right. um, and then we'll go in and do, do a couple hours, a couple maintenance of hours maintenance, and trim the plants and things like yeah. that. And then when we're done, we lock it all up, and the animals come, come back. back. Out. So they whoosh, swoosh them into. They swoosh them in. And a yeah. lot of times they'll go off exhibit every night. They'll go into different pens and then. Yeah, because they sleep sleeping. somewhere right. else. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes, you know, we're there first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. So we go out. Uh, and, you can and sneak in there and they're still sleeping. They even know that we've been there. <laughs> yeah, they don't smell your coffee and wake up. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> and it must be, and sterility must be a big deal too. It, it you have really to be is. really careful with absolutely. hygiene. Partially because yeah. of the plants, partially because of the animals. Absolutely for both. Yeah. So are you ever wearing like hazmat suits? We have hazmat yeah. suits for different things. And As you change exactly. Yeah, and oh, boot, well. different boots, different yeah. outfits, yeah. and absolutely. Bacteria yeah. baths. And step on different mats and yeah. stuff as we go into different areas. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's really important because you would not, like, you could lose a lot of collection. Absolutely. Both, yeah, any cases, living, yeah. Animals and, and yeah. Animals if well. you Bringing something untoward into, into that area. Something huh? that you brought in yeah. when you came in in the morning when you sneezed, right? Absolutely. Yeah, oh, my right? God. Oh. you got to be really careful. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, nothing to sneeze about here. We've nope. got the lines all jammed, Again. as a matter of fact. Yes. And Al in uh, Unionville. Good morning, Al. How are you? We should take a break. Uh, oh. Look at your time, ta- Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Al. Yeah. No, that's right. Uh, Al... Hang tight. Yep. <laughs> in Unionville, there will be with you momentarily. We're all producers Ask- here, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> right. Oh, I oh, don't know oh, the answer. Oh. Frank, do you know the answer? <laughs> Back in a moment on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. <laughs> and Paul Gallatly from the He's good. Metro He's Zoom. dancing along <laughs> to my oh, music. I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Al has been very patient out there in Unionville. Let's get mm. him on the air. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, a little bit shocking to wake up and see the temperature drop so much, but oh. probably better for us to work outside. I was going to say, it's great Perfect working weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question has to do with a variegated maple. Mm-hmm. I have a fairly large one now, uh, it maybe 10 inches in di- diameter, maybe m- more at the trunk. Mm-hmm. But every year that we've had it, in around August, the leaves start to turn brown around the edges and then start dropping. And this year particularly, they are dropping. Uh, it's almost totally bare at this point, and we're curious, hmm. why is that? <laughs> why is that? Well, the white part, so these variegated means green and white leaves on this maple. It is a Norway maple called a harlequin maple. The sun, it's, the, it's scorch. The leaves end up scorching from the hot sun and the hot temperatures. So the white part is the first part to get scorched. The green can handle the sun beating down and it's busy with all the photosynthesis that it's doing. The white part, on the other hand, is very vulnerable to heat and, and bright light. So this year, it's probably more heat than anything this year. So that's my guess, too. That it's so defoliated. But don't worry, it's September. It's going to defoliate, if not this week, then next week anyway, or a week after. It's the time of year when the leaves are going to drop. So you've had a full season of full photosynthesis, so don't worry. If it was doing this in July, I'd be more concerned than I am when it happens in September. Oh, okay. Okay. So and no extra amount of watering is going to change that. It's a scorching situation. Yeah, no, that's just the reality of that specific plant. The one thing I would say, though, is... Be, keep a close eye that you don't see limbs that are growing green leaves. Uh, we have a few, yeah. Those need to be removed sooner than later. because, And not just the leaf, but the branch that those leaves are growing on right back to where that branch mm. starts. Okay. Because there is a tendency for the plant to revert back to its original greenness. And if that happens, you will no longer have the variegation at all. Yeah, it's a beautiful tree, and we really enjoy it. Yeah, so if you want to maintain that variegation, you've got to physically go in there and remove anything that's not variegated. Okay, I'll I'll tell my wife that's her job. I was going to say, that sounds like a good job for the the to-do list. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's got the garden signed. It's my garden, so I'll have There you go. You just throw that right back at her. I'm sure she'll she'll be sending me an email real Uh soon. (laughs) Family domestic coming up there. It's all my fault. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Al. Yeah, take care, and thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. I'm just having a little trouble figuring out who we're heading to here now. Lewis, Lewis is next. Okay. Wait, 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 I'm just lying through uh, Lewis right. Toronto about herbs. We, we'll find out very shortly, uh, Ainsley. Uh, yeah, I think we just go straight to okay. L- oh, Lewis. Yep. Okay, Lewis, uh, hopefully on the line there. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Good. You? Where very are you calling good. from, by the way, Lewis? Toronto. Toronto. Okay. It's up at the top there, herbs. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about bringing herbs inside. Mm-hmm. How can I bring, like... Um, like the wife has a whole bunch of herbs in on in the ground, mm-hmm. and we'd like to keep, try and keep them for the winter. How can I do it? 
It's a wonderful idea. It's often hard to actually pull it off. The plants that are outside, particularly if you try and digging them up, though, I mean, there's sort of two schools of thought. If you really want to cover yourself, you do two things. One is you both dig up plants, clean, uh-huh. you know, trim roots, uh, trim tops, just to f- make them fit into some nice pots with yep. potting soil around the roots. But mm-hmm. what you've trimmed off the top, some of those little bits of tips that you prune, you will try and root those so that you'll try and start some new little plants from the cuttings. Okay. One way or the other, one of them is likely to survive, but mm-hmm. you need to give them the conditions that they're going to be happy in. So lots of light, maybe some supplemental lighting, so like a you know, grow light kind of situation, yeah. uh, and the watering, temperature, humidity, all those kinds of conditions that it's been getting for the summer. Plants have been happy. You have to try and continue that through the winter inside our what become very hot, dry homes. So, so there is a possibility of um, bringing them inside. There is. It's worth a try. It's just sometimes it can be a little frustrating because everything starts really well, but then within a month or so, the, the plants have kind of petered out. But meanwhile, you've had them indoors, and you can certainly chow down on whatever you've brought in. I notice sure. quite, quite a lot of the grocery stores nowadays are bringing in little pots of just young seedling. You know, it could be basil, it could be parsley, uh, and they're bringing those in to you ready to put on your window ledge inside and the, yeah, but it's, uh, the plants don't normally like you said they you can't normally keep them because for example um i have some mint mm-hmm. which uh, it was from the same pot i put it in the pot outside and i brought some inside in a pot yeah. it didn't get in direct sunlight so they're they're very thin stems mm-hmm. And very, very small leaves, right. the one inside. The one outside, ooh, yeah, lovely. the thing is going like gangbusters. Right. So that goes back to that grow light I was talking about. You yeah. need to ensure that, that big, high light intensity that the plants thrive under outside, you need to give them that inside. And our homes now, we've got all these fancy windows with reflect all the light back out. So, you know, yeah. you really have to recognize that the light and is important. all these energy efficient bulbs and stuff, I guess, those yeah. really help. No, there's some great LEDs. There's wonderful grow lights and i'm seeing some really nice little kits in some of the garden centers Absolutely. have you seen some yeah, of those for sure i've got a couple do you yeah, and how i've seen that costco costco uh, i think it was that's last right here they had um like a fluorescent grow, grow light yep. exactly and they might even still they probably still have that on their website you could probably, probably. buy that on the web because you're right it's yeah. kind of a spring product in the store yeah. but mm-hmm. that totally worth it so what is it 30 40 bucks well it's that, I was there, yeah. for, for the price that yeah. the grocery stores do it try it out if it doesn't work go buy a new one yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, true. But yeah. still recognize you need the light. 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Good luck with that, Lewis. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for calling. Thank you for uh, joining us here on a Saturday morning, The Garden Show. We're going to continue in just a couple of moments. Go back to, uh, let's see, well, Wasaga Beach, as a matter of fact. Lorna is waiting on the line to have a word with Charlie and, uh, of course, Paul. And we'll be back in just a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We've got a very lively show today, let me tell <laughs> <We> you. <do. laughs> From Wasaga Beach, let's welcome Lorna into the show. Good morning, Lorna. Morning. Morning. Um, I'm calling about uh, the Japanese beetles, mm-hmm. and I'd like to uh, understand a little bit about their life. Mm-hmm. So if they eat the roots of turf grass? Yes. The, not the beetle, the baby beetle. The before it's a, before it's a beetle, it's a larva, and commonly we call that what, Frank? Oh, uh, a grub. 
Yay. Grub. You got it. Because <laughs> Frank, Frank wasn't paying attention, sorry. Well, I was... he's, he's our grub guy. He's our nematode guy. So, exactly, So yes. Okay, so what's going on, Lorna? Is, have you seen, you're seeing some damage in your yeah, garden? Yeah, there is, and I was wondering... Uh, what you can do for it. Your timing is perfect. It is perfect. Because the beetles that you saw chewing away on the leaves of some of your favorite plants or flowers of your roses yes. have pupated, and then, so they've gone from being that beetle, sorry, my mistake, beetles eat, lay eggs, eggs hatch, and what comes out of those eggs are little tiny, tiny grubs, which get very fat very quickly underground chewing the roots of anything mm, yeah. turf is a big one but obviously they'll chew garden plants as well so what do we do frank when we have grubs in the ground oh you get yourself to a garden center and buy some nematodes follow the directions uh, and spray those little devils they're <laughs> microscopic little worms that actually eat those grubs the nematodes are, are, yeah. eat the eggs yeah. Yeah. yeah well they'll eat the grubs actually they'll eat the, grubs. Yeah. the eggs yeah. are not still around probably yeah, yeah. but your but your timing is good so it's all very, very important that moisture levels be high in the ground that you're going to apply the nematodes to. Big okay. rain coming tomorrow. We've got you know, Hurricane Gordon aftermath coming through all of southern Ontario. Going to be lots of rain. Perfect conditions the following mm-hmm. days. So Monday, Tuesday, get those grubs. Sorry, get those nematodes, follow the instructions, as Frank said, and apply them to where you see damage occurring in your garden. Okay, and, uh, and do you do anything in the spring? You shouldn't have to, hopefully. I mean, they sometimes do. You, would you spray I, nematodes? I do, mine, I do mine twice a year. You I do, do mine eh? in the fall, and then I do them again in the spring, and it just catches the ones that you didn't catch the first time, or if there's still a few beetles around that will get some eggs in after yeah. you're done. I, I just do it to, to be safe. It's yeah. not that expensive, and it's very easy to apply. But okay. make sure your soil, if you're doing it in the spring, Absolutely. you've got they, the soil temperature has we warm enough that the grubs have come up and their oh, moisture like levels? Well, I mean, Wasaga Beach, it might be, might be June, June, actually, yeah. yeah. Depending on what kind of spring we have. Yeah. Could, yeah, it could be May. Here in Toronto, it probably is it's May, May yep. not before that, that the soil's warm enough for the grubs to come That's up because right. yeah. they go down for the winter. Okay. All right. There we go. Okay, thank you. There you All go. Right, That's the three-part harmony on how to control <laughs> how to control Japanese beetle grubs. And uh, from the shores of beautiful Kempenfelt Bay, there's <laughs> Kim up in a really good morning, Kim. Lake Kuchiching, Frank. Oh, oh Lake Kuchiching. Oh, wait, good point. Oh, really, yeah. it's Kuchiching. Oh. Yeah, windy lake. I'm said the wrong way. <laughs> I went the wrong way. It's the windy lake. So, anyway, I just want to know when can I start fertilizing my indoor plants? Uh, you, you should be stopping fertilizing your indoor plants as the days get shorter and shorter. We don't fertilize. Okay. Uh, again. So they go dormant. Yeah, well, yeah. semi-dormant. I, yeah. I'll usually fertilize right up till September and then okay. no fertilizer till start again in March. Right. The exception, of course, is there because are... one plant. I got a philodendron that's the same age as me. Nice, but don't okay. fertilize it in the winter. Yeah. But yeah. you might so have... Just leave it now because it's kind of looks droopy, but I've been watering it. Well, don't keep... And I thought I don't want to lose it. No, but don't. But be careful. You could overwater. Remember, days are getting shorter. Plants That's are right. using less water. So right. less water is required. But That's I was good. just, just going to say that if you have something that is actively blooming, like an orchid, for example, or an mm. African violet, or... Yeah, my African violet looks rose. good. Oh, what? Desert rose. Desert, Desert and violet. Flowering now. Yep, yep. So if you've got something that's flowering inside your home, um, another good one would be the Christmas cactus, which are preparing oh, to flower. Those, those will, will be fertilized because they're yeah. flowering, actively growing. Mm. Okay. Yeah, okay, so I'll fertilize the violet, but not the others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not till the spring. 
All right. All right. Thank you okay, very much okay. for calling. Frank, Thank you. I'll wrap out next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I better get that globe working. There. I'm going to get him, take him sailing. We're going to come up to Coochie yeah. and he won't forget the name. That's for sure. It's lovely. Now, uh, we're kind of uh, sparse on time, and I think uh, yeah, for I think folks who haven't, uh, who weren't tuned in right off of the top of the we, show, maybe we can have Paul Galadley, uh, who is with the Metro Zoo, uh, tell folks again why you're here and uh, what big announcement you've got for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Uh, the Toronto Zoo. Uh, purchased and or was donated six corpse flowers in 2013 mm-hmm. and about four years ahead of schedule we have one setting up to bloom so it is it's starting to slow down its growth and uh, if you watch the Toronto Zoo website mm-hmm. uh, our social media uh, you'll be able to find out the updates we will be putting uh, up the hours we will have extended hours when it does bloom it's and a pretty big horticultural event the next few days it'll Listen, be in the next when they few say days. this thing stinks they mean it there you've even got Clothes pins. We've gonna... got clothes pins coming, just in case. Just in case for staff and visitors. For staff and visitors. What about I'm, the animals? I'm going to stand beside it for hours. So, oh my goodness! Uh, it, it's in our in our greenhouses, so it's not an area that's generally on display for the public. So oh. we're actually letting the public into our greenhouse. And there's wow. no like the first times rhinoceros size clothes pins required. No, no, no. You should be okay. You should be okay. They're not like close. Or They're anything. not close. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that's pretty exciting. T- website, please. Website is. TorontoZoo.ca. Okay, and yeah, and you are doing some live feed. So if yep. you can't get to if the you zoo, can't get to the zoo. Watch our website. There will be live feed starting Monday, and we have done time lapse as well. So once it does fully open up, you'll be able to see the whole wow. process from start to finish without having to smell it. That is pretty. Oh, I want to smell. I want to smell it. Yeah. it too. I'm not gonna lie. I want to <laughs> oh, smell yeah. it too. Now, <laughs> just, you, would you carry the odor out in your clothes? I certainly think? hope not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be stinky. Yeah, let's have a word with this dead guy. Whoa. <laughs> not nice. Not nice at all. Been but a that's going And wow. you mentioned CP24. They've also so set CP24 up. CP24 has been in. They're setting up uh, some live stream photos. So there's multi websites to stay on top. You've been doing YouTube clips yeah, on the zoo website. So lots to watch. Lots to watch. For. And lots of fun and there. If you just Google Toronto Zoo or Toronto Corpse Zoo. Flower, you'll get all the information. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming, Paul. Thank you for having it's me. Such yeah. a pleasure. Pleasure. Delightful. Great, thank you. You're a wonderful guest. And Frank, my friend, you're yes. always a wonderful darling. A wonderful support person, the sous chef of the garden. Wonderful. Yes. I'll like be that. back at one o'clock this yeah, afternoon. You will. You're yeah. up with your next show. Thank you so much, Ainsley. She's done a great job with all kinds of heart. crazy things coming at her. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you all again thank next you. week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.